Welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today's episode is powered by TD Ameritrade. Every stroke counts on the scorecard and every penny counts in the market. That's why TD Ameritrade is committed to straightforward pricing with no surprises. So you're free to swing with confidence. Visit tdameritrade.com slash fried egg. Member SIPC. We are back with a new episode of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today, I am joined by managing editor of the Fried Egg, Garrett Morrison. Garrett and I just got back from a trip from through North Carolina and South Carolina. Uh, we hit up a couple courses, and we're going to break them down uh, for you today. This will be a two-parter. So in part one, we will cover Old Town Club uh, and Reynolds Park in Winston-Salem, and uh, before part three, we jump over to Roaring Gap, uh, Aiken, and Palmetto. Without further ado, here is Garrett Morrison. I miss a green, for example. I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Garrett, what's happening up in uh, Oregon? A lot of rain, a lot of gray skies, not much golf. But um, you know, I don't, I don't really play golf when I'm at home anymore. It's, it's just on trips. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of just my, not terrible. My life too. It's uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I've been traveling a ton though lately, so it's uh, it's been uh, it's just nice being home in general. Yeah, you've been away a lot more than you've been home, right? Yeah, it's been it's been bad. I uh I'm going to enact a travel ban here in in November. It's going to be a mm-hmm. mandatory home time. So, it's a Friday travel ban. Yeah. 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 But uh so we uh we were together though. We uh playing more Perry Maxwells, you know. It seems like the <laughs> only time we're going to be together. Just playing Perry Maxwells. It's not terrible, but it has been a very Perry Maxwell summer for sure. We've we've traveled to play a few of his courses, and they've all been awesome. Yeah. So yeah, they. Uh, I mean, I. Uh, I'm in. A, I'm like in a deep love affair with Perry Maxwell now, which is uh, it's it's not a bad thing. But there, it, it's just amazing how few people talk about him. I I'm just amazed, in general. Yeah. Why Why do you think that is? Um, I think, you know, the more I more I think about it, is like. He didn't design any golf course in New York or California. Yeah, you think it's that simple that or the people Northeast. just yeah don't really get to them. I mean, it's just like if you compare it to like anything, like sports or all the coverage goes to like the New York teams and the LA teams because they have huge markets, right? Yeah, and he didn't design anything in Chicago. He didn't design anything in any of the biggest cities in the in the country. That's right. And yeah. Then, and then nobody gives him the credit he deserves for Augusta. 
very true as well, right? Everybody, everybody wants to talk about Mackenzie and Bobby Jones there because they're sort of romantic figures, but a ton of those greens are, are Perry Maxwell greens and they're, and they're very, very good. Yeah. So, um, we were in, uh, we, before we went to the thoroughbred, which was at Aiken, um, and we can talk a little bit about Aiken and Palmetto. Um, we, we did, uh, Winston Salem. So we did, uh, Reynolds park and old town club. And then we drove up, which are both Perry Maxwell courses. Reynolds park is the municipal golf course in Winston Salem. And then we drove up to, uh, roaring gap, which is a Donald Ross in the mountains. So, Let's uh let's just kick it off by starting to talk about uh Reynolds Park. This was I guess I I saw Mooresville too in uh in Charlotte, which is a uh Donald Ross Chris Spence uh project, which good, you know, affordable place to play that's close to Charlotte. Um, you know, I think they're it's not something I would go out of my way to go play, but it's a uh it's a very good public option uh for golf. It uh it's got really interesting land on the front nine, which is uh, the Ross original nine. And you can just, it's it, the the course added nine holes in the 60s. It's really interesting to see just the difference in the, uh, in the routing um, in terms of like how intimate and close together the, the front nine is and how it uses the land. And then you go to the back nine and it's, it's basically like cut out of a forest. You know, and every hole is its own own hole, own corridor. Like you can't see anything else going around, and and uh, I mean, you can tell that uh, Chris didn't have a ton of stuff to work with on that back nine when he was doing his redesign because the corridors were so narrow. There were homes that had been added, um, and uh, you know, it it just it was really an interesting juxtaposition, and uh, but but a really nice course, good shape. Um, it's walkable. I I would recommend it. I'd go play there again if I was like if I flew into Charlotte and had an afternoon, or if I lived there. It's a it's a really good place to play for public golf. Right, and that would be that's Morrisville. Morris, right? Is that Morris, 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 Morrisville. Morrisville. Okay. It's like uh, it's about twenty five minutes north of uh, Charlotte. So cool. I, I, I yeah. need to go back and do a proper uh, Charlotte tour, but I just needed something quick in the afternoon to go see and and that one check some boxes. Right. What what you're describing just there with the Ross nine and then and then another nine added to it struck me as very similar to Thendara, which a guest author Colin Chris wrote about on our website not too long ago, where you have this this intimate sort of interlocking routing uh, with a kind of open plan contrasted with a later nine that goes through the woods um it seems like there's there's not just one place where that's the case um but uh but obviously one of them is a little more more fun to play than the other yeah it, i mean i think you see it all over the place too like with uh langford and moreau they built a lot of nine hole courses in the midwest and then you see them add another nine you know these courses add another nine in the 1960s 70s you know you go down the list like there's a course in in laporte indiana called legacy hills and this the front nine is all um original length from a row and it's it's really could be something else like it, it's amazing because i i had an old aerial and you can see 
the shadowing because of how deep some of these bunkers were. And you can just see this like intense shadowing on like a 1940 aerial, which is crazy. And then, but then they added a, uh, a nine, you know, you got like raised ponds and it weaves through a housing, um, a housing, uh, development. And it's just like that covers three times the amount of land that the, the front nine does. And it's, uh, far less interesting golf in my opinion you know right pretty typical story um so i was in the air flying out to charlotte when you were looking at that course um and the next day we drove out toward winston-salem where before going to the wake forest campus in old town we stopped by uh reynolds park which is a municipal course designed by Perry Maxwell. And I think it's safe to say that we are both blown away by what we found there, right? Yeah, yeah, that was... I'd, I'd been looking at Reynolds Park for like two years on Google Maps. And, and you know, obviously, the one thing that never shows is topography. And uh, I had no clue what we were going to find there. And I, I mean, it was... It was stunning. I it just jumped to the top of uh, near the top or the top of the list of golf courses that I want to see restored. Yeah, ultra dramatic land. There are kind of two general sections of the course. They're not separated by nines. It's more like there are six holes on one side of the highway, and then there are um, the other twelve holes on the other side. Yeah, it's like one, two, three, play, and then you cross the road, and then um, it finishes the nine, and then the back nine's all on that other side. Right. And where the back nine is, is I think where we both started to really see some classic Perry Maxwell stuff, the way the holes went right over the boldest features in the land. Both sides of the road were really cool. I think that there has been more modern intervention on the other side of the road with uh, the front nine, but still just the, um, obviously it's an overused term, but the sheer scale of the land is incredibly impressive. And um, there are some holes out there that are just completely unique looking to my eye. It was, it was really, really exciting to see that there. Um, Obviously, it needs some work. It needs some support. But uh, but what a what a cool golf course. Yeah, it's it's like one of my favorite things about uh, just going to these uh, golf courses. Like you never know what to expect. And and we went there on uh, I think it was a Tuesday morning. It was uh, it was it was like kind of gray and windy. Not good light for taking photos. No. I mean, <laughs> which we, and, and the yeah. course was packed though. It was filled with with golfers. It, and yes, and we ended up we we parked and we went over and we were on the on the holes the section that's for holes four through nine. And we just started walking around, and I think like we got over the hill, and both of us were just like, "Holy cow!" Couldn't believe what was like what unfolded down in front of us. And you know, you're walking around that side. I was, you know, in. You can see that the bunkers have been messed around with, but then you know there were a few greens out there that like were distinctly Maxwell greens, where you saw his his rolls or as as uh, as Dunlop White, who uh, at Old Town Club coined muffins. Um, in the greens and you, it was just like god how how does nobody talk about this way like and it's just 
it just was an amazing place in terms of of for somebody that dreams about what it could be and i i you know i'm guilty of being a a golf course dreamer well with that one it's completely legitimate to dream about what it could be because there are a lot of courses where uh that that dreamers are attracted to where you're just never going to get back what was there and it's almost fruitless to try to pursue it but at reynolds park you wouldn't really need to do much it's basically all still there i think a lot of what the course needs probably has to do with deferred maintenance but um it's a it's a cool course already and there's not much that would need to happen to it in order to make it instantly one of the best municipal courses in the country in my opinion um but yeah the the greens a lot of the greens are still there in fact it's it's stunning some of the stuff that's still there because there's some really uh, there are some really quirky moves in in that design and a lot of that is intact maybe because somebody just preserved it or maybe through a process of benign neglect but um when you walk around you you really see what what that design was um and it was funny I, I was out there you know looking at the back nine and and just taking some photos and uh really getting into it and i was approached by the superintendent of the course a guy named ryan mcclannan and he asked me what i was doing and um and i told him and he was really really nice guy uh, and he was like yeah i was just afraid of, that uh you know uh we've had some problems recently with kids coming out here and playing pokemon go um, and I was wondering if you're one of those people. Um, but once he found out what I was doing, he was super welcoming and, and I, we were totally free to just kind of walk around the place, but that's kind of the vibe of the place. Very casual. And it's, it's part of the community. Who knew, um, who knew a, it was quite a, a golf course. for Pokemon go. Apparently. Yeah. yeah. Not, not only <laughs> is it, uh, you know, something that could be a great golf course. It also is, uh, you know, regular spot for people searching for pokemon <laughs> right yeah who needs foot golf when you when you have a, a pokemon venue it's uh but uh yeah the that uh that place it it was i think both of us were walking around that that one side the first side we were on which is four through nine and we were like ah this is unreal and i i personally was expecting to cross the road and see something like way different and and uh and it it turned out to be like way better worlds better on the other side of the road right yeah we thought we had seen the good stuff when we saw the the front nine or the six holes on that side of the road but the good stuff really is on on the other side that the 10th hole out there the 17th hole just going over these big contours, these kind of waves in the land um, that you see Maxwell going directly over on a lot of his best courses. Um, yeah, you can you can see the routing, you can see the holes as they were designed. Uh, it's a pretty exciting place. Uh, so yeah, the, there's a there's a spot where the kind of the low point on that side of the land is in the is in the corner of the property. And both the thirteenth and the the seventeenth play down into it from different angles, and the greens are just benched one on top of the other. The thirteenth sits just slightly above it on a ridge, and then the the seventeenth plays under it down on on another ridge. And it's just like that spot. I'm just like holy, like you know that that was where I turned and looked. I was just like, my God, I cannot believe this place exists. 
yeah it's uh yeah it was great i'd I'd love to go back there actually and um and dig in some more but uh we might have some stuff coming up on that we did get some pictures and um and hopefully i'd I'd be able to i'll be able to write something about it eventually yeah we gotta Um, we gotta figure out when the that what's going on with the management situation because it's it's just a place that it's begging for restoration and you talk about all the great municipal courses and i I mean i guess to put it into perspective for somebody is it's got it's got land like the land is is could be is very similar to bethpage black's land but it's perry maxwell with really Interesting. interesting greens like in terms of the muscular it it's not you know it's not as expansive in the routing how Bethpage Black covers just a ton of property. It's more intimate. Um, but in terms of the movement and the and the ridges and the and you know, you're hitting up and you're hitting you're teeing off from from ridges down and hitting down. It in terms of the the sheer up elevation movement, it would be it'd be similar to that. But and a much more intimate setting for golf where you, especially if they did tree removal, you, I mean, you'd see all across the golf course on, on the, uh, from holes one through three and, uh, and nine through 18, you'd see, you could see everybody basically everywhere. Right. Yeah. And when, when Jeff Shackelford talks about how, one of the great things that the USGA could do would be to help generate funds to restore and renovate great city municipal courses. I think Reynolds Park is absolutely the perfect candidate for that because, as I said earlier, you wouldn't have to do much. The land is still there. The routing is still there. Many of the greens are still there. Um, it would just take a little bit to, to push that place over the top. Um, I can think of a few other courses in a few other cities that are similar and would, would benefit similarly from that kind of program. Um, but Reynolds Park really is the perfect example of yeah. a course that would benefit from that. A place that reminds me to like that in that same vein would be there's a Stanley Thompson designed Sleepy Hollow in uh, Cleveland that's unbelievable yeah. too. Like similar similar state where it's just sitting there and you know really great land and really great design that's just it's just because nothing had ever happened really bad it's still just there you know (laughs) which is you know we talk i've talked to so many architects that have said that like sometimes the the best thing that can happen is never having money to to screw it up and and reynolds park it probably falls into that bucket yeah, definitely. Isn't there a municipal Ross course out in Cleveland as well? Yeah, Manakiki. It's really good too. That's right. Yeah. I think Sleepy Hollow. I Sleepy Hollow's got a lot more potential, um, but they're both really, really good. Like where I, I always think of it this way: is like if you if they if they turned into a private club and and got to do a restoration like man uh, there's a chance sleepy hollow would be the best course in all of cleveland yeah well uh, there was a time when a lot of the best terrain for golf around cities was used for municipal courses 
right? There was a time when these tracts of land that had huge potential specifically for golf were actually devoted to golf. And that time is no that that's no longer the time we live in right we uh we we have to look elsewhere for that land now but that's why these municipal courses these city courses built in the 1920s and especially in the 1930s in the era of the works progress administration are so valuable such great resources for the golf world because so many of them are built on on pieces of land that we would just the public would no longer have access to anymore um and they're and they're still there uh, they just need a little bit of help a little bit of capital a little bit of support and that's definitely easier said than done yeah you know, a where, little where is forward, that gonna come from? forward thinking too yeah, that's and that's tough in city government, yeah, right? That's it's a, not a people. People are dealing with really immediate, and and I sympathize with this. City governments are dealing with a lot of really immediate problems. I mean, I think if you're a um, a council person in the Cleveland area, are you, are you really thinking about golf all, all that much? Um, maybe not, uh, or in Winston Salem for that matter. But uh, I think that if, that if you take the long view and and you see the potential of these places that that kind of work on golf courses that sort of input um could be a real value to many communities yeah um i think there's an opportunity i I think if if this cop creek thing goes well which i did a podcast on with uh joe bosch and mike serba and philadelphia yeah where they've done where they've gotten the they've gotten a private lease and it's privately funded and you know, but it's going to remain essentially run like a municipal would be run in the sense that it's for the people. I think if that can be a big smashing success, it could really change the future for a lot of these places. Yeah. Domino effect. Yeah. And that's and I think, what we'd hope for. Yeah. And, and also, you know, Washington DC with East Potomac would be another, another example. Right. The hope is that we've seen in the past 15 to 20 years a restoration movement in the private club sector. And the hope is that that would move eventually to public access golf. Um, but that's, that's a very difficult transition. Um, now for a quick word from our sponsor. This weekend, uh, Kaylee, Mrs. Friday, took her first golf lesson up in uh, Kohler. I was I was pr- quite worried. It was it was very brisk afternoon, and uh, she doesn't do well with the cold. And she was nervous about the golf lesson. I was more nervous about the weather. Uh, thankfully, she was uh, suited up in her zero restriction, so she had on her Laura hoodie. And then she had a ZR vest on, and uh, amazingly, no no complaints of cold until we were driving back in the cart, and uh, and, and that was it, it. Was the sun was down at that point? It was really cold, uh, but it it really was great. Uh, she had an awesome time with her lesson, and uh, had no problems with the apparel she chose. So it's one of the reasons ZR got picked by Tiger Woods to be the. Uh, official rain gear of the president's cup team, which is coming up. So, uh, go get some, uh, ZR gear. If, uh, if you don't have any yet, get some from your local pro shop or, uh, buy it online at zero restriction.com. Now back to our podcast. 
But it, it's funny because, you know, right after we saw Reynolds Park, this great candidate for restoration, um, we went over to Old Town Club, which represents, I think, many of the best aspects of the private club restoration movement. Um, we got over to Old Town Club that evening after we had seen Reynolds Park. Um, and once again, you know, this was another really pleasant surprise uh, immediately taken by this course. What, what were some of your first impressions of it? Well, it, it was just interesting because you we went from uh, a course where you're like, wow, this thing could be really, really great, you know, to a course that like right down the road that essentially is what Reynolds Park could be, <laughs> you know? It was like looking, like you're you're walking out, and it's like, yep, this is this is what it is. I think, uh, I mean, Old Town Club. I two years ago, I started doing this because I, it's hard because there's so many places I want to go see, um, in given years, and I started to make lists of five, five courses that I wanted to see, like in. And they be in different parts of the country. So, because knowing that, like, you go one of these places, you're going to see some other stuff while you're there. And, like, two years ago, I had Old Town, like, on this list. And I didn't get there that year. And then we were getting to the end of this year. And I was like, I got to get there. So, it was uh, it was great to finally see it. It lived up to all my expectations. Um, it's just amazing it's an amazing golf course especially i mean it's just stunning to see i think in terms of all the places we played it's the most maxwell like in comparison to southern hills and prairie dunes there's more maxwell preserved and and showing at at old town than anywhere else like they've got they've got it all the way you know it it's one of the courses that is getting the most out of its course that I've seen, you know, from a term standpoint of presentation, like you don't walk around there and say like, Oh, if they, if they did this, it would really bump it. It's like, it's pretty maxed out as to, you know, like it's great. They've gotten there. Yeah. It was really cool to see a course kind of, um, fulfilling its potential in that way. Um, and just to give a little background on old town club, it was built in early 1939 by Perry Maxwell. So 1939 is, is quite late in the golden age. In fact, many people would say old town club is the last great work of the golden age of golf course architecture. Um, and so in that sense, it's already of, of historical interest, but it was built after Prairie dunes after Southern Hills. This is Perry Maxwell, maybe at his, at his most mature, um, and then, you know, through the years, Old Town Club, I think, was was always regarded as a really good course, um, but it lost some of its initial character in, in the usual ways, you know, that a lot of tree planting and um, kind of uh, shrinking uh, greens, more shrinking greens. Yeah, more conformity in the in the mowing lines and the bunker shapes and all that kind of stuff. And so in 2013, after what sounds like years of activism on the part of Dunlop White, uh, who's currently the golf chairman at Old Town Club, the club hired Bill Corr and Ben Crenshaw to come in and restore the course 
um, essentially to the form that it's in now. And Bill Corr still visits the place and gives suggestions. It's an ongoing process, but it truly is a, a wonderful um, restoration. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, okay. One of the remarkable things about Old Town is it's its land, right? Um, and I've been struggling to come up with a way to describe this land because it's it's not like Prairie Dunes. It's not like Southern Hills. You know, it's it's something else. It's maybe in between those two in some way or another. Um, how how would you describe what the topography is like out there? Um, man. So it's it's clay based soil so it's not like prairie dunes is sand and it it's not like it's just i don't know how to explain it to be honest it's it's very it's very muscular um it's got these big landforms that you play over and but at the same time it's a very small piece of land right Everything is really packed into there. And the way the course plays, you play the first three out. Uh, you play on one side of the clubhouse, and then you go back to the other side. Um, and, and the fourth hole plays up this crest. And you don't really see, from the clubhouse and from the first three holes, you, you don't really know what's coming up. Um, but then you play the fourth hole, and you crest this hill, and it's just like an open expanse of golf. Um, and you've got, you've got creeks that run through it that are similar to the way Southern Hills has the dominant Creek that runs through it. And, uh, you know, the, you know, the river kind of, it's a big riverbed essentially. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a very oddly shaped property too. That's the thing is that, I, I remember Bill Core talking about this when I uh, when I interviewed him because he said Old Town Club was one of you know the most impactful courses he he'd ever you know he visited early and I asked why he goes how he fit eighteen holes on that property the the way it's shaped and the and the and how severe it is is truly remarkable and like then going out and seeing it and that's like one of the reasons I wanted to see Old Town so bad was was what. Bill Corr said on the podcast about it. And uh, and I just don't think a lot of architects would have been able to get... Like, if you gave them that site with nothing on it, I don't think a lot of architects would be able to get 18 great holes on it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's a weird site. It's not only kind of compact, but it's also got odd landforms on it. Yeah, and, and Maxwell actually turned that to an advantage, right? He took these really abrupt, severe landforms that maybe most architects would avoid, and he routed holes over them that really work. Yeah, and and, and it's got all those corners. Yeah. So it's got yeah. it, it's got like a corner at where one and two are, where like one green and two plays into. Then it's got a corner where five green and six T is. And then it's got a, another corner where 10 plays into. And then it's got a, a, where 11, like it's, it's just like a, a, there, there are probably eight corners of the property that the course goes to. Right. There, there must've been a lot of points in the routing where it looked like before the golf course was built, there was nowhere to go. Yeah. 
when you got back to say the 15th green the par three that goes back into one of these corners and get to the 16th tee who would think of routing the 16th hole this par four that goes over two big ridges to a green perched on top of the second ridge who would think of of routing that golf hole when you look at it 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 looks incredible and it and it works right it plays really well but i don't think many architects would have the daring to put that hole there and not move much land which is something that perry and maxwell never did right he, he he just didn't move a whole lot of land um and uh and in those fact, holes he, go over landforms that uh, most architects would eliminate yeah he didn't just not move land he was a he was a anybody that moved land he the steam shovel hater he was he was a he was a fanatic about it. Yeah, he was he he he, he subtweeted uh, Langford and Moreau pretty much constantly in every public utterance he made. <laughs> we think it was like for Moreau. I mean, it, it, it would match. It's got to be it's, right. Yeah, they were working yeah. in the same region of the country at the same time. Totally, and they had oh, it's like got to be two completely wildly different, wildly different styles. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But at the same time, they shared a lot of the same things. Like like Langford Moreau, the way they routed golf courses, I, to me, is very similar. Like the way they used landforms was very similar to the way Perry Maxwell, where they would drape them over these big contours and use the big contours as and uh but they they were just so wildly different at the green you know and building hazards but um i think that in terms of uh, routing there's a lot and i think that might be part of like those two guys they learned from the fact that they worked on all these sites that were really tough sites in the midwest and you know the great plains and and uh, they, you know, they did not. That's the thing why Perry Maxwell amazes me so much is because he was giving given so much less than so many other architects with what he had to start to work from. Whether it was, you know, building in the middle of the Great Depression where you just at the, have less to work with in general, or from the the sites and the the soils that he worked on, as opposed to. If you got to work in on Long Island exclusively, like you're building on sand, like, you know, it's a little bit different than building on, you know, uh, North Carolina clay. Yeah. And, and we, we saw some of, we've seen some of the best sites that he got to work on too, right? Uh, Prairie Dunes obviously was, uh, was a blessed site and that's why that golf course is special because you get Perry Maxwell working on that kind of site. You, you can't get anything but one of the best golf courses in the world, which those original nine holes, I think that certainly, certainly are. Um, and, uh, you know, Old Town's got some cool features in it. It's got a varied landscape. And so the holes, are, are different from each other um, instantly, instantly memorable. No hole is anywhere near being like any other hole on that course. Um, and that's partly because of the variety of landforms, but also it's a, it's a credit to the, the, the genius of the routing. All right. So uh, my, one of my favorite questions when with a course, especially for a course like Old Town, it's, it's not like I, everybody always, what's your favorite hole? What's the weakest hole at Old Town? See, I was just thinking, not specifically about that question, but about Old Town's weaknesses. And I was thinking that one of the things that was distinctive about Old Town is that it has very, very few weaknesses. 
Um, right. It is yeah. uh, when you're, when we talked about Prairie Dunes a month or two ago on the podcast, I think both of us could easily identify some weaknesses in that golf course. I think that Southern Hills might have some weaknesses as well that are explained by the nature of the land, but the par threes at Southern Hills aren't exactly the most memorable holes at that course. I think to an extent you could say the same at Old Town, where when you think about the best holes at Old Town, almost all of them that immediately come to mind mind are par fours and par fives, the long holes. And so, you know, if there's if there's any critique I think I'd make, it's that the par threes don't stand out quite as much. But the par threes are are really good, you know, like they're they're very very good golf holes, um, and they're not they're not dull by any stretch of the imagination. They just don't quite rise to the level of the others. Um, other than that, I'd have a really hard time um, identifying the weakest hole. May- maybe the fifteenth hole. I don't know. That has a cool green though. That's a that's really a great green. green. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of cool how the how the par threes build. One of the things that it does at Old Town is they build like they get they start with the shortest one is number two, then then number uh, six is a little bit longer. I think it plays about one seventy. Number two plays like one fifty or one forty five, and then uh, then number eleven plays two ten, and then number right. five is like two forty. You know, or and they're all 15, in different yeah. directions, right? They're all yeah. they're all facing different directions. Yeah, I mean they're they're still well designed. Maybe the weakest hole at the course is number eighteen. Maybe that would be it. That green's awesome though. <laughs> It's a great green. I, I know. I, well, I'm okay. Well, so what? What's what do you think is the weakest hole at Old Town? What do you think? Number one? No, number one no, is great. One's I mean, cool. So, yeah. I don't know. I see it. That's why I asked you. I didn't want to answer this question. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, uh, I think that 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 is exactly one of the one of the distinctive things about Old Town, though, is that it it's really hard to identify weaknesses of the course either among the holes, weak links in the in the routing, and it's also tough at this point after the work that Corin Crenshaw have done there. It's tough to identify weaknesses in the presentation and setup of the course. Uh, yeah, because that, that's pretty strong all around too. I I loved. Um, there are some things about the restoration that I like really really loved. Is that a the the aesthetics of it? As, uh, like the sand, just like even the sand color, the choice of the sand color is it just like shows that they they knew what they were going for. Like you see, so many clubs do these re- uh, restorations, and you know they put the the white sand in, the bright white sand in, and it's like. It, it just doesn't fit. You're trying to restore your court. Like, and it, it takes out of like, it makes it less of a hazard. It's like the perfect lie. It's just designed to make it easy. And, and at, at old town, they got this, just like this orange sand, it, not orange, but like I, I'm colorblind. So I can't even tell you what color <laughs> it is really. But like, it's like this, like brownish. It, it's, it's sort of, yeah, it's browner. It's, it's a darker in color yeah. than the, uh, than than the blinding white sand that you see a lot of different places and and rockier too like yeah. there's you know they're not afraid of having not having it be perfectly pillowy fine all the way through 
and and I almost always like I go places like one that sticks out in my head is like Inverness. I go, I went there, and I and the, you know they did the restoration, and you just like look around and you're like, God, there should be so much more fairway. Like you just see the land, like right where the fairway should be, and it's not because they're they're chasing championship golf, but like you know the at the same time it's like this is a members golf course, like they're like that that landform screams fairway, you know, because you see right where the fairway line was. And and at Old Town, never once, not once in the whole, you know, two days there, did I ever look and be like, you know, they could add fairway here. Like it is, they actually have the lines out I to where I think it's right and where, yeah. you know, like it's restored back to what the fairway widths were back in the day. The fairway goes all the way to the native basically yeah there there isn't i mean there's some there is some maintained rough out there but in right yeah am just I, barely like on 10. There, there's yeah right yeah well that's funny because i can't even really remember where it might be maybe between uh numbers one and three but there it, the fairway in a lot of places just goes right up to the native areas and the native areas are really good you know there are a lot of places where you would lose a golf ball but uh, in the native areas that are actually in play, they're um, cultivated really well so that, you know, it's an unpredictable penalty um, uh, hitting into there. You, you you might not lose your golf ball in a lot of places. You might find it, but you also might find yourself in, in funny positions or there might be an opening for you to go for it from there. Um, so, in that sense, they, they do even a good job off of the golf holes maintaining the course yeah and, and and the impact that that fairway has you know we've talked a lot about these like massive landforms that the course is routed over you know a lot of times you'll have this severe topography either running right down the center of the fairway where it acts like a hog's back where if you don't hit it right in the right space it, you know place it it's gonna shoot your ball right or left you know and what the fairway does is it just it's the most it's the best thing ever in golf is when the ball lands that's when it gets really exciting because you don't know where it's going to end up and it and so many of these holes well whether it's you know having a big landform on on one half of it and having a cascade down to the left or to the right or down the middle and having it, it what it does is it makes the the fairways are huge but hitting it to the right spot in the fairways is so difficult because of because of the slopes and the short grass the ball it's just you know when the ball hits the ground that's when all the you know it's not done right and the and it was bouncy out there when we played too even though it was toward the end of what would usually be considered the prime golf season the ball was really taking leaps off of the turf when it landed. And that combined with the bold slopes of the fairways at Old Town Club, which you were mentioning earlier, there's hogsback fairways, there are fairways with high sides and low sides, fairways that go uphill, that go downhill. There's fairways that bounce off one hill and then bounce off another hill. I mean, there's just all sorts of things that the short grass covers there at old town where the ball can can run and bound and uh make all these crazy moves uh you combine that with uh really good firm conditioning 
and um, and you've got the golf course, I think, as it was really intended to play. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's awesome. I mean, there was a was it the third hole? It was the third hole is like the perfect illustration because we both you played it absolutely perfectly, and I like kind of chickened out. And uh, the so this the third hole plays back up to the clubhouse, and the and the fairway cants from right to left, and there's two intimidating bunkers set into the right side of the fairway and that's right where you want to be from there you're going to get the flattest lie and have the best look and best angle into the green and you know if the fairway is really wide right and uh garrett hit like this beautiful little cut right up the right side and had it was in the perfect spot and i hit mine right up the middle and what happened was it just bounded like probably 40 yards left of where it landed into just it just rolled into the into the rough and all of a sudden i had a semi-blind wedge shot from a flyer lie into a green from like a very poor angle you know an uphill green from a poor angle and it was you know granted like people are always going to look at like the result one time but that it was just a, a stressful shot and over the course of a round, all you're trying to do, if you're really trying to score, is you're trying to reduce stress, not put stress into your round. And, you know, I hit a fine shot, but but it, it just was not a comfortable shot, right? And that's that's the thing, is that over those things compound over, over the round. If you don't get it into the right position out there, you're going to be faced with a much more difficult shot. Right, and, and what amplified the difference between your way of playing that hole in that one round and my path to the hole is that the pin was just on the other side of what we've been calling a Maxwell muffin, right? Just this little subtle mound in the putting surface. A lot of the greens at Old Town have these features where it's just a simple green, but there's one little mound that a lot of pin positions can play off of. Dunlop White um, refers to these. Dunlop White, the golf chairman at Old Town, refers to these as as muffins in the in the greens. Um, and so when I played my shot into that green, I was I was up on the level with the green. It was a pretty easy shot, really. I just you know hit a nice easy shot and it got to the other side could you of see, this mound could you in the putting see the, surface. Could you see the mound? Yes. So I could see, right. Yeah. I could see everything on the green, right? I, I mean, it was, it was a ways away, a little bit elevated. I couldn't see it perfectly, but I had a comfortable vision of the green. And, you know, so I, and it's, see, it's I, I one gotta, thing is seeing it, but I couldn't even see it. So I couldn't right. see where the pin was in relation to that, that muff, uh, muffin. And I, when I hit my shot, I thought it was perfect, but I was just yeah. under the muffin. So I was yeah, putting exactly. up and over. And you were over on the other side of it. I had a flat putt. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I had an easy putt. And your putt was up and over that that mound, which is very, very difficult. Because if you're a little bit left, it goes left. If you're a little bit right, it goes right. You have to judge the speed just right. Um, you know, we may have had even like a similar length of putt because I hit a much longer club into the green than you did for, for one thing. Um, but, uh, 
but just because of the position on uh, on the green, uh, one shot was a lot easier than the other. And I, I think that's so important, and it's such a smart design feature there, because if the green were just flat, there wouldn't have been that much of a difference between your angle into the green and my angle into the green. You would have hit your good wedge like you usually hit. Doesn't matter if you can see the green or not, you're going to get it up there within about 20 feet most of the time. And if the green is flat, you'll have basically the same putt that I would have. Um, but, uh, but that wasn't the case. And, and by the way, this is just the, the, this is probably the one hole that I played better than Andy <laughs> during our round at Old Town, which is maybe know. why it was memorable. But, uh, <laughs> but it was, uh, it was a good illustration of what the hole does for sure. Those greens are, are so cool. I, I just the, the rolls are just, I, 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 we talked about this the last time we talked about Maxwell, but they're just amazing because they just bring so much thought. I, I like, found myself like just having so much fun on and around the greens because I, you know, you start to figure out like the key to, to those greens is you just have to find the high points of the muffins. Right. And, and you have to read everything off of that and what part of the muffin you're putting over. And it, and it, once you, it kind of unlock and then all of a sudden it just, it's so fun because like, you're just looking at all these different shots and the different ways you can play shots off these things, um, especially when you're chipping. I mean, it's just a just a really really neat place. I, it's a golf course. That's yeah. I mean, that's the place. And the other thing about it is the club's very. Is, I mean, it's very relaxed place. You know, yeah. It's it's a very golf centric place. Yes. Yeah. The the um the lounge was a was a cool place to hang out. There were people who were just there having a good time. You know, we had good talks with people, and um, you know, always felt welcome and like we could walk around the golf course and nobody really cared. And um, so uh, so great a great place to hang out. Um, and yeah, just a, a tremendously fun golf course to uh, to play. I I feel like it's it's pretty underrated. Um, I don't know. Would would you? It, it it gets ranked on these lists and stuff. I think people recognize that it's a great course, but uh, to me, it just feels like it's on on a level with other courses that consistently get ranked higher or that are discussed more. Do you get the sense that it's a bit underrated in the discussion right now? Uh, I do. I think it's just where it is. You yeah, know, it's just this effect of it. To me, if it, if it was in a major city, I mean, it's it, it's as good as anything. I I mean, I'm sitting in a major city, and it's as good as anything here, um, if not better. And uh, the like, you go down there. They're just, you know, I don't. I think part of it's due to the way the rankings are done, like Golf Digest specifically. Like, you could dock it down for you know, protecting par or whatever they're, you know, I mean, essentially they have like four of their eight, eight or nine categories are devoted to difficulty. So like, that's how I could see it getting bumped down there. It's really well ranked. I think in the, uh, in the golf week rankings, I think it's like 19 or 20 and that's of, of in classic courses and that, that, you know, the courses around it, I would associate with like where it should be. 
but in t- in terms yeah. of the the go- I don't think it's I I think I don't think I mean I hate ranking. I th- there's I don't I don't think it's even in the top 100 of the of the Golf Digest rankings, which is yeah, absolutely is... In- it's absolutely insane. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean I I wasn't even talking about the rankings so much as cuz I, I mean, we I just don't think our, we it was more just the do people talk about it as as a great course that often? Maybe it's because uh Maybe because it just doesn't get visited, even among people who go to a lot of private courses to play. It's it's the same thing. Like, Cal Club is a good comparison. It gets talked about a ton, and it's in because it's in San Francisco, right? I think you know. I think that. Old Town's got a little bit more variety. The routing's a little bit more creative. The sites are actually kind of similar. Yeah, Cal Club's a decent comparison, right? And where both courses are are sort of meeting their potential right now. Mm-hmm. You, you don't play those courses and think like, oh man, they 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 didn't do enough there, or they kind of screwed that up. You, you go around thinking, wow, there was really good restoration slash renovation work done here, but. Yeah, I would say just straight out, the holes, the golf holes at Old Town are better. Yeah. They're, they're better golf holes. I'd, and I'd agree with that. But it's like the, you know, of course, you know, how often are people in Winston-Salem? That's the thing. That's why it doesn't get talked about as much. Is yeah. that, in, I mean, it's only an hour and 20 from Charlotte. Which, you know... But it, I mean, in terms, I've heard that North Carolina is not the South, you know, but I, I'd equate it to the South, you know, I wouldn't mm-hmm. say it's mid-Atlantic. I mean, it's yeah. the people. I'm definitely not an expert in that. Who says that North Carolina is not part of the South? Somebody from the South, you know, okay. people, <laughs> I see. people from the South. <laughs> I, 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 okay. I'm interested to hear people's opinion, but then people will say, oh, Holston Hills is in the South. Knoxville and, and Winston-Salem are essentially on the same latitude line. There's a longitude, longitude. <laughs> it's longitude. Yeah. Well, is it? No, wait, wait. <laughs> I, you know, this is not something actually that we should, <laughs> we should debate because I'm going to be wrong either way. But anyway, it's, uh, yeah, may, maybe, oh, well, who, who cares really? But, uh, maybe it's more cultural than geographic. Um, in, in any case, it's, it's close to a lot of places. It's close enough, uh, that a lot of folks can get to this course. And, and if you have the opportunity to do it, I, I think it's, you, you've clearly got to get out there and, and see this place. Yeah. It's, um, it's a must see. I mean, it's yeah. it's arguably the best Perry Maxwell design. Well, that's what I was just going to ask. You know, we we were really lucky this summer to get to see some uh, some great Perry Maxwell golf courses uh, to to see Prairie Dunes and play that several times, and then to get out to Southern Hills. Um, is it worth comparing Old Town to those two? Would that be illuminating, or or would that just be a, a flimsy exercise? I, I think it's it's tough to compare. I think they're all trying to be a little bit different things, right? I agree. I and I think they're all in different situations. Um, Prairie, Prairie Dunes. The I mean, there are some similarities between Prairie Dunes in terms of the club and the location. Not really, though. Prairie Dunes is so much more isolated. 
but I, I just see maybe some parallels between what those courses could be. You know, if uh, if prairie dunes were to um, get those mowing lines where it seems like they're uh, they should be and and kind of complete its full restoration, um, it would be absolutely sensational. And and it's on a better piece of land than Old Town, and it probably has a much higher ceiling than Old Town. You could argue, yeah. Um, and uh, and but what you see at Old Town is, as we've said several times, of course, meeting its full potential. And uh, and so if you're looking for inspiration for uh, how Prairie Dunes could could meet its very significant, very substantial potential, um, then Old Town would be a good example of, of where that could go. Yeah, like every single person that that's a member at a Perry Maxwell course that's on, like a Greens committee chairman should be going to Old Town to see. It's like this is what you have. Exactly. You know, and it... Reynolds Park, I mean, that's the thing. Reynolds Park just be the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I I I mean, it's remarkable place. Yeah. Old Town Club is is great. Um I just so, wish there were okay. I wish there were uh I wish there were Perry Maxwell's up here in Chicago. We got Fairways, which is a nine a nine hole Maxwell. That's it's probably got like three holes of Maxwell left. That's a it's uh-huh. like an hour from me. But I'm I'm pretty sure that's more than Portland, Oregon has, so <laughs> so it at least is something. Mm-hmm.